Okay. Welcome to every one of you out there. All you studiers, we are now in the book of Ecclesiastes. Or the preacher, and that preacher, capital P, is the old man, the old king, Solomon, the wisest of all the kings of Jerusalem. And here he talks about the purposes that are under heaven and how there's a time for each of them. We have to apply scripture the same way in this manner. There's a time and a place to apply each scripture, and by harmonizing the whole Bible together, we are able to know which scripture applies to what time, and timing is all important. You have to know what time of the great pregnancy, the uh, eternal pregnancy, similitude, where the lady uh, has the birth pains and as we draw near to the uh, birth of the new Jerusalem. We're commanded to know the signs of the times. So uh, you apply this to looking at the world around you, and not everything is the same. Not every time is the same. Scriptures must be applied also where they go. Uh, that is a great um, ploy by the ungodly to get into the Bible itself and to take uh, the uh, Scripture and misapply it. They hunt and peck like it's some uh, um, constitution or something like that, uh, some uh, revised code book, and they hunt for one line like a lawyer does, some way to misrepresent the Scripture. Again, King Solomon here, is telling us to apply the, our mind and soul to the times of, that we live in. And there's a purpose for every time under heaven, okay? All right, so we'll explain as we go here in chapter 3 in the book of Ecclesiastes or the preacher. Verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Again, look at that prophetically for one minute. We're commanded to be watchful. Christ gives us the uh, similitude of uh, looking around and knowing when the tree's ripe. And I just used the uh, pregnant, pregnant uh, woman similitude that's used and he also uses seasons in other words spring summer fall and winter that's also used as the time that god has for his purposes under heaven so we cannot miss and take some scripture like say uh joshua was told to wipe out a certain peoples and take one part of that scripture and turn around and say that justifies my war here i can go in and wipe these people out that scripture is not meant for you today that scripture doesn't mean to go out here and make war no 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 we're to be what wise as the serpent and gentle as the dove in the last days so we are not to go out here and be violent 
But there was a time when Moses and Joshua or even David and Solomon, they had to be violent. Okay, so there's a time and a purpose for everything under heaven. It's heavy duty here, folks. This is a great, great explanation of applying the scriptures and the times to uh, your whole quest for salvation. Okay, so there's that. All right, so here he explains. There's a purpose under heaven, a time to every purpose under heaven, right? Into a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. For it says, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. In six, it says, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rent and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth, okay, question mark, okay, so you see, you, you have to recognize the times you live in, not only in the macro view of it all in Christ's return, but also in your, in your daily enterprises that you have, this wisdom here is a micro view of how you can do it perfectly, personally, and then the macro view of the great new Jerusalem coming to earth. And we have to be able to recognize the times to every purpose. How do we do that? Well, we got the doctrine. We have a great advantage over the ungodly. We sure do, because it gives us all the ammunition we need to understand the times that we live in. Yeah. We have to keep our ear to the ground and our eye to the sky. And after that, you just keep applying these scriptures and uh, it will just unfold to you and I. Will it not here, folks? But even in the micro view of it, there's a time to allow some homeless person to, to uh, be in your shelter. There's a time you better not do that, right? Oh, there's a time to share. And then there's, uh, uh, like in the, the next uh, Ecclesiasticus, where he says, whatever you do, don't give to the ungodly, because it'll just get used against you. See, there's a time for every scripture to apply it. You can't misuse these scriptures. Again, when it comes to violence, okay, 
you can find plenty of violence in the world, and the, the history in our Bible surely documents that. But it's not all the same. It's not all the same. That doesn't mean you have a license to go out here and get violent for ungodly purposes, okay? So that's what I mean. That's a, there's a lot in this heavy-duty book here. War and peace, okay? Those are tools of the ungodly. We must recognize that. All right. Okay, so I'll move on here with that. That is a great piece of tying everything together. And that's the same with scriptures. You can't take every scripture and then misuse it and use it over there where it doesn't belong. Every scripture has to be applied in the right time, in the right place, and that includes prophecy. We have to know the timing of the prophecies. We have a clear, clear, all through the prophets and in the New Testament and the Old, all of it. We know the timing of the prophecy. See, timing is key to your wisdom and understanding. All right, I'll quit. But we'll go to 9 here. It says, What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? Okay, question mark. All right, if you're laboring for the Lord, you're giving it all you got. There's a lot of profit there. But we just went, up, we just went over the worldly versus the spiritual. There's a big difference in the two, is there not? Okay, we just went through that. In 10, it says, I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. All right, the Bible goes through that many times, from one end to the other, all 77 books. We have a uh, straight-ahead doctrine. We can't go to the left. We can't go to the right. Narrow is the way. Okay? So uh, the, the Lord is well aware of our trials and tribulations that we are going through. Part of that is refining you, making you gold, no matter what the world's doing. The Lord is refining you, okay? So that's what he means, that all things are working for the good of the saint. Because, as you see this, doesn't mean the Antichrist is good or the ten unseen merchant kings are good. But as they approach here, we start to lean more and more on the Lord in all of our trials and tribulations because we know the timing, see? And we have to lean on the Lord because there is victory there. No doubt about it. Okay. Anyway, so the travail that we're under, God put it there to refine us. Okay, 11. He had, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Okay, and as Paul said there, uh, that we look through that glass darkly. In other words, we can't see the big picture. Uh, the big help we have, though, is the doctrine, and it's the written word. We're taught to lean on that. We're, tra we're taught to feed on that. But still, we have the veil 
of the flesh, it's called. Okay, and until you leave that veil of the flesh behind, you still are looking through the glass darkly. That's New Testament. 12, it says, I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life, period. Okay, so you got the spiritual good you do, but also the other things, the daily things. Okay, and remember what we said. It's not that you can't do worldly things. You're in the world, but you're not of the world, Grandma used to say. And uh, the fact is that you go ahead and enjoy the gifts that God gave you. Okay? All right, he'll, he'll explain. In 12 and 13 it says, And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of, of all his labors. It is the gift of God. So we're not saying go lock yourself in a room and what is that thing they used to do, the, these fake Christians used to do and beat themselves? It was called self-flagellation. And that's, that's purely cultic. That is satanic. It, it just is. And, and the Lord's not telling you to do that. Look what he just said here. Go ahead and enjoy your labor under the sun here. It is the gift of God in 13. In 14, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doth it that men should fear before him. Now, there's a big deal. You must fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of your wisdom and understanding. And we can't add one name to that book of life. And we can't take any away. If you or me plant a seed and it grows, that seed was there ordained before the world began. Now, that's what the Bible teaches. 15, it says, That which hath, be, hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requireth that which is past. Again, these uh, muckety-mucks that control history try to make you think that we're some uh, being that is advanced, that these times are different, that there's no tyranny out here. World government is your big brother, right? Oh, that stuff, that old old way of looking at things. we got to get rid of that. That's the New Age philosophy of brainwashing people. Okay, you see here, there's a time and a place for everything. And we go through the wicked eagle prophecy there in 2nd Esdras. It goes way back, way back, way back, pre-flood. And here comes the days of Noah again that we're living in. Is that not correct? Isn't that what King Solomon, through the Holy Ghost, is saying here? Christ himself said, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the days of Noah. Look at them, and that will tell you where we're at. Yes, indeed. Notice the fear before God. Without that, you're in deep doo-doo. 
you're in deep dung. 15. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God require, requireth it. No, and God requireth that which is past. Okay, so God's in control of the times. 16 is a new paragraph. And, moreover, I saw under the sun that... And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness is there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. Okay, what's that mean? Well, go to the book of Job, and you'll see that. You'll see God Almighty, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and the, the sons, little s, of God. Those are the fallen angels and Lucifer, Satan, among them. And there they come up and accuse the saints. Yes, they do. Right there at the beginning of Job, you can't miss it. God commands that they come up before him. Now, that's what's so unique about the Dead Sea Scroll proven book of Enoch, that it describes this. And they're in the place of a torment. There's God's angels making sure the job gets done. Do you know that in the when the final judgment comes down, that uh, Jesus Christ and all the angels are going to be there watching it? You understand that there's wickedness that crawls into places in heaven and in earth. You, you get uh, your doctrine going, and all of a sudden, you have a terrible attack by the occult groups of the world that come in and try to spoil God's word. So there is this mixture of dark and light, and the dark's going to go bye-bye someday. Goodbye, Antichrist. Goodbye, false prophet. And goodbye, all the muckety-mucks that are imitating them, Okay are following them. 17, it says, I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Folks, we have the book of Enoch up on the podcast. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. Uh, and when we did Enoch, we went through it. We harmonized it with lots of scripture so people could see how it harmonizes with the rest of the 77 books, but it surely does that, and it surely describes here the spiritual thing we're talking about here. But look here again. Here is a time for every purpose and for every work, and that's for, for sure, and we are drawing to the end of time. We just are. Uh, there'll be no sun, no moon, no stars, and without that, there, there'll be time no more in the book of Revelation there. Isn't that right? 18, it says, I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves themselves are beasts. Okay, that beast is a wide word, okay? Uh, the four great angels over the throne of God are called beasts. 
We are flesh here. We've been created by God. That doesn't mean that we are perfect, see? Uh, you, uh, the fact is that the estate of men, what about it? Are we perfect? Not yet. No, we are not. And God might manifest them, and he's going to show the good and the bad and the ugly, and that they might be see that they themselves are beasts, okay? Now, if you're on the wrong side of this, if you love Lucifer or any of his minions, you're going to know your mistake as you're judged. It's all going to get played right before your very eyes and before the angels of God. Jesus Christ, the advocate, will not be there to confess your name before the angels and the Father. You're just a beast, okay? And then you can be like Nebuchadnezzar who was made a beast. That's the extreme of the other, of the evil. Okay, but on we go here. And listen to this now. This is an important part of the Bible. It says, For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befallen them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. Okay, so what do we have? The Spirit of God is in the world. He's in your animal. But it's a special gift that you have. Your spirit is a treasure to God Almighty. But here he's making this statement that the spirit goes back to God who gave it, the Holy Ghost, and the spirit of the animal goes into the earth, and the earth is full of God's spirit. It is. This ain't some pantheistic thing here. The spirit of the animal is not like the spirit of humans. It is not. But the earth will be recreated and God will put his spirit in the animals, which will be different this time. Now, we can go right into all the prophets, especially in Isaiah. That's went over where a child's going to lead a bear around or a, a lion, play on the hole of the asp. The Spirit of God will be in all the creation, okay? So there's that. There is God's Spirit. It makes the tree grow. It makes the baby grow in the womb. And yet, he gives us the honor of having the special Spirit that can live with God forever and rule and reign for eternity. That's a special gift. The animal ain't going to do that. The beast ain't going to do that. And beastie people aren't going to do that. That's a special gift, a special treasure for God Almighty and for us that are called. In 20, it says, All go unto one place. All are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. That's the body, not the spirit. See, now in this case, we're talking fleshly, Versus spirit. Okay, so that's the flesh. What about the spirit? Why are we different here than your dog that passed away, like old Benzie when he passed away? 
Who knoweth the spirit of a man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? You see? That later on here in Ecclesiastes, he's going to say the spirit's going back to God that gave it. Yes, indeed. We have borrowed that spirit. Okay, so that makes us very godly. Uh, we are the sons of, and daughters of God. Okay, but here the spirit of the animal goes back into the earth, and the earth is going to be what? Recreated because he said, he told us, it abideth forever, does it not? But in 22, we summarize things here. It says, wherefore, I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion, for who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Question mark. Well, the answer to that is the uh, doctrine, the prophecies. We'll show you where we're going to be. And uh, God's going to write it on our heart to understand these things through the Holy Ghost. That's true. Okay, but uh, here we got this uh, again in the flesh here. We are what? To go ahead and enjoy the gifts that God has given us. This isn't some depressed person here. This is just the facts of life. You've been handed this, and this is a gift from God Almighty. Your spirit, your flesh, your ability to work, and there's no work better than the work that is not a vanity, okay? All right, so on we go in four. Okay, and here goes Solomon, the old man, the old king here, the wisest of all the kings of Jerusalem. He says, so I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter, and on the side of their oppressors there was power that they had no comforter. But they had so they had power, but they had no comforter. Okay. And this goes right into the book of Job where he tried to tell his th three dummy friends that the oppression of these great potentates of the earth is not right. And look at them oppressing people here. Now, we're being oppressed today, the people of the world, not just here in the United States, not just here in Ohio. I'm talking about around the world. There's many people and many levels of oppression going on, and there's great power behind the people that are pulling those strings. Oh, yes, there is. And the comforter, the great comforter, back in this time, isn't there yet. Yeah, there's a Holy Ghost, but people just don't have the comforter that was poured out after Christ ascended. So here is this oppression through the great potentates of the, wor of the world, and why should we be worshiping them? And people are. I don't care when you get a little sneaky snake, weasel like Bill Gates, and people are sitting there ready to fight over him, right? Or that little monster Fauci, that little 
dwarf. These rich man worshipers will fight to defend these oppressors. And including, will the people of the earth worship the dragon that's oppressing them and killing them and giving them the mark of the beast and misleading them? The Bible says they will. So he's telling you right here that the great men, the rich men, aren't these blessed people. No, they have no comforter. All right, in two. Wherefore, I praise the dead which are already dead more than the living which are yet alive. Yeah, your trial and tribulation's over one way or the other. Now, in this next line, they are sending us, the translators are, to Job. To 3.11 and 16.21, because this really harmonizes with that. In 3, it says, Yea, better is he that both they which hath not yet been, who hath not seen the evil work that is done under the sun, period. And that's another delusion. And they get it out of the temples a lot. They uh, cannot recognize evil. They, even when they're doing it themselves, they are delusional that they don't see the evil works that are going on around them. And today, it is accelerated that we all ought to be seeing that. If you're in your Bible and you're watching the way God commanded us, then we have to be knowing that there's evil all around us here. Okay, so that's an easy one. But it wasn't for Job's friends. Job's friends, if you had money, you were blessed. If you were broke, you were being punished by God. <laughs> That's the way these people were misusing scriptures. You realize the three friends of Job were quoting scriptures and, and misusing those scriptures, not applying them correctly to the right time and right place. That's a fact. Those three friends were quoting scripture and did not have the spirit of wisdom and understanding to know the time and the place that they should be applied. It didn't apply to Job at all. Four is another paragraph. Again, I considered all travail and every right work that for this a man is envied of his neighbor. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. Okay, so here you are. You're doing good. You're uh, moving ahead. You're doing good for the things of the Lord, no matter what your particular work is for the Lord. And here comes someone that's jealous, and you get picked on over that, don't you? Well, we got to keep going straight ahead, don't we? All the saints went through their trials, every one of them. Just think about it. You can't name one saint in the Bible that didn't have his share of trial and tribulation and the uh, ugly the people, the evil people picking on them. 
Okay, uh, five, it says, The fool foldeth his hands together and eateth his own flesh. Okay, what's that mean? Well, one, we know what foolishness is. The Bible teaches us to work. And King Solomon wrote plenty of that in Proverbs, and we got plenty of it there in the wisdom of Shirak. You You are told to labor and of course, the most important is your labor for the Lord. But he, at whatever you do, to be all zealous and to let your light shine and to work. Okay, but to see the fool is lazy now. He's slothful and he folds his hands. When you don't physically exercise, your flesh starts to decay quickly. When you exercise, I don't care if it's pulling a plow, you oxidize your body, your body starts to physically, now I'm talking about flesh, regenerate. Okay, so when you get some lazy person that won't do anything, their flesh starts to decay. Does it not? Don't they look like a pencil neck? Right? Or, you know, I'm not knocking people for how they look but this is just a fact when you don't use it you lose it and that includes your mind you must be using your mind and that includes not staring at the internet no 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 when you read books your mind is regenerating you know that it is but if you don't use your mind, and I'm not talking about staring at the boob tube, and I'm not talking about the internet. You must be using your mind the same way to get that regeneration process that I'm talking about into your mind, and you'll stay sharp. Okay, it says in uh, 6, it says, Better is a handful with quietness then both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. I think that explains itself. The rich man that sits on his rump. In seven is a new paragraph. Then I returned and I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone and there is not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother, yet is there no end of all his labor. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. Neither saith he, for whom do I labor? And bereave my soul of good? Question mark. This is also vanity. Yea, it is a sore travail. Okay? Because we are not a uh, solitary creature. We're not some creation that God made not to be uh, involved with others. One, we're involved with other people that have the same belief system. Are we not? Do we not communicate and get along well with those people that love the doctrine? I know you do out there. And uh, the fact is that even Adam and Eve, he, they said, well, uh, 
It's not good for man to be alone. See, that harmonizes right there with Genesis. And for the woman, she needs that helper. She needs that helper to be with her, and that's been throughout time. And we are meant to be a family. We are meant for a man and a woman. And children to yoke together. All right, he explains more on that. Listen to this here in a similitude of uh, partial similitude, similitude here, but actually plain speaking. It says in nine with a new paragraph, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Okay, so I do good. I go to work. I come home. I give mama my paycheck, and I feel good about that. She takes care of the family, all right? All right, but listen to this. And if, if one slips, the other one's there to help pick them up. Listen to this in, in 10. It says, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone. When he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up, okay? And, of course, when we have the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, we are never alone, are we? But, again, this is King Solomon's teaching here, and it is very, very wise. We are meant to have fellow believers around us that know the doctrine. We just are. Now, here's the similitude of the sleep, and it's actually real. It says in 11, again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? How about that? Isn't that sad? Question mark. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Okay. All right, lady. Would you like your husband there if a mugger tries to get you? Or how about a, a mugger tries to get you and you have your children there too? That mugger's going to have a hard time, isn't he? All right. Anyway, there it is. That's the, the, the uh, beauty of yoking the, together. And not only that, but in the church, the real church, big C now, not these fake Family, Faith, and Fun Fraud Centers. 13 is a new paragraph. Listen to this one and we're for plain speaking. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Duh. Period. I think that speaks for itself, doesn't it? Table people. Oh, you see how I asked the table people? In 14, it says, For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. And, okay, so there's all that. Uh, and, of course, that can be because he's a foolish king and he will not be admonished. 
But also, the Lord says this is the way he lifts people up and puts them down. This harmonizes with the whole Bible. It really does. 15, I considered all the living which, which walk under the sun with the second child that shall stand up in his stead. There is no end of all the people, even of all that have been before them. They also that come after shall not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Okay, so you see here why being involved in fleshly uh, enterprises can drag you down here into the vanity and vexation of spirit and that we have to stay away from we have to do everything we can do to stay in the spirit. Now, how did Paul say? He said, do everything you can do to endure. One, I'm a big stickler for studying the Bible, but he's talking about prayer. He gives his lists of helping the poor and the, the widow and, um, uh, to promote the things that God would have you do, to plant, to water, okay? So there's lots of things in here, that lists that Paul gave, and I think we're going to give some of those again tomorrow, uh, of the things that you, you do that are spiritual, and they're not vanity, and they're not vexation of spirit. So you have, the flesh is going to work against the spirit and we are to stay in the spirit because the flesh will be weak now that's the real meat to the matter and paul went over that really good and so i will see everybody on the next cd